What a show, what a show, don't you know it's such a show, and I better stop doing that because I want to get on with it. We have a wonderful show today. We lost a a pioneer of the comedy industry today, so towards the end of the show, I'm going to do a little tribute to uh, the late, great Jerry Lewis, who passed, and uh, such a tragedy, so sad, but I'm going to reminisce, tell you uh, a couple of stories of when I actually met Jerry Lewis and hung out with him and yada, yada, yada. So stick around for that. We'll, we'll pay tribute to his life in, a, in our short little wonderful way. Also, uh, some wonderful phone calls from you, the Pavement Pounders. Going to take some of your delicious phone calls. And then uh, a very interesting segment um, that involves your pee. Yeah. It, it's a very weird segment. It's creepy. It's kind of icky, but it's going to really change the way you think about your urine for the rest of your life. So I don't know if you even want to listen to that part, but uh, either way, it's a well-rounded show. Jerry Lewis, your phone calls, and fresh golden pee. I mean, come on, man. Ready to do this? Let's do it. Put your helmet on. This is the Harland Highway. Put on your seatbelt. It's about to get bumpy. Oh, how perfectly awful. I get my kids above the waistline, sunshine. When will they take the bandages off? We don't know who we are. We don't know where we are. You're riding down the Harland Highway. Let us out of here! Please! Let me tell you, you're starting something here that that's what you should be frightened of. Oh, fuck yeah, bud! Just leave us alone. Sit down, strap in, and shut up. What's going on? What's the matter? I thought maybe if I could kill him, I could make him stop. My mother never breastfed me. She told me she liked me as a friend. Who are we? This is the Harland Highway. What? It's the Harland Highway. It's, it's a cookbook. Ah! Well, it, it's great to be loved, man. 
Thank you. Thanks for the love. And thanks for the for the phone message. And you know, I'm I'm sure that Tom Green, because he created the Tom Green show, which is a show about him that he's in almost exclusively. Uh, I'm pretty sure that Tom has copies of all his shows. It is very nice of you to extend that gesture of the VHS records of his shows, but trust me, I know Tom, and he he keeps all that stuff, man. So he's good, but if, if you want to pop it in the mail, just, uh, you know, put it in a big box, all the tapes, VHS tapes, if anyone even knows what those are anymore, and just just label it Tom Green, Hollywood, California, and just throw it in the mailbox or ship it, you know, but that's all you need. Tom Green, Hollywood, California. And it'll get to him, don't worry. Um, so thank you for that. Shut up. Oh, you're telling me to shut up? Uh, I, I love you. Okay, well, you don't tell someone to shut up if you love them, bro. Shut up. Okay, th- there you go again. Now I'm now I'm getting mixed signals from you, bro. I mean, what is it? Shut up or you love me? Come on, dude. I love, I love you, Harlan. Okay, good. That's what I was hoping for. Shut up. Hello? Hello? Hey, Harlan. Just got done listening to your podcast about uh, your first class experience on Delta. Just had a thought. Uh, I would love to see this uh, CEO of Delta sitting down at his big dinner table, and I'm sure he has waiters, waiter coming up and saying, sir, tonight we have an option of a cheeseburger or a salad. See how he reacts to it. Chicken chow mein, baby. Shut up. Ooh, I love that phone call. Yes, excellent idea. If you listen to last week's podcast, or not last week's, the last podcast, I went on a rant about getting served a cheeseburger, or they attempted to serve a cheeseburger to me in first class on Delta Airlines. And this pavement pounder has an excellent suggestion. You know, let's... Let's see the CEO who makes, you know, $24 million a year and feeds his, uh, his customers cheeseburgers in first class. Let's, let's sit him down at a swanky restaurant at the Waldorf or the Granite Club or someplace. You know, p- pianist in the corner playing, all the beautiful, well-to-do people, you know, lobster... Pheasant under glass, shark steaks, and the well-manicured waiter strides up to the CEO of Delta's table and goes, Good evening, sir. How are you today? For tonight's dinner, I'd like to present you with the cheeseburger, sir. Where are you going, sir? Where did he go? I offered him a cheeseburger as he... Is he mad? I mean, look at this place. There's a waiting list to get in here for five months. I, I just offered the CEO of Delta Cheeseburger, and he he left in a huff as if he was insulted or so. My goodness. Yeah, man, great call. I, I hope I, I hope somehow through the filter, somehow that podcast gets through to Delta. 
and somehow it changes the uh, it affects the the way they serve food. Not just to first class, but to everybody. Man, everybody needs an upgrade in the uh, airline food department, boy. Uh, but I want to move on to something else. Okay, I want to move on to your urine. That's right, your urine. Oh, it's lovely. It's just lovely. Okay, now this this next piece I'm about to do, ladies and gentlemen, and it, it's for the men for sure. I don't know about the girls, okay? Because I haven't looked at girl urine, okay? I don't know how many of you dudes have looked at girl urine, but I have not. Um, but as far as men urine... You're never going to look at your urine again the same, thanks to what I'm about to tell you. If you don't, if you don't want to have your your perception of your urine changed forever, I suggest you don't listen to this segment because once this gets in your head, I'm sorry, guys. You're, for the rest of your life, you are going to visualize your urine the way in which I'm about to describe it. So. If you don't want to think about it, and it's not necessarily present, pleasant, it's actually kind of creepy. So I'm, I'm, I'm urging you right now because I promise you for the rest of your life, you will look at your urine as it sits in the toilet through the, through the lens of how I'm about to describe it. And if you don't want that in your head, because it's never going to leave, it's going to get... I'm about to put something in your head, boys, that's never going to leave for the rest of your life. And now you're probably like curious. You're like, oh, well, I got to hear it. And oh, it won't stay in my head. It might stay in the other weakling's head, but not mine. Nope. It's going to stay in your head. I promise. And you might regret it. You might. It's just one of those. You ever hear the expression, you can't unsee something? Well, what I'm about to do is, is, is make you see something that you will never be able to unsee. So I'm, I'm just, I know I've said it four times already, but skip through this segment right now if you don't want to be haunted by your creepy urine for the rest of your life. Here it goes. I, I gave you fair warning. So when a man does his urine, he stands over the toilet bowl, and this is mostly for when you pee in the toilet bowl. It's not so much a urinal, you know, in, in a public space. This is mostly applicable for when you, <clears throat> you gentlemen, urinate in a toilet bowl. And 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 ladies, I don't know how your your urine settles when you urinate. I don't know. I don't know how how uh, how aggressive it comes out of you. I don't know if it splashes. I, I know very, very little about female urine, okay? But because I'm a man and I urinate and I stand over the toilet bowl, uh, when a man finishes urinating, more often than not, unless maybe he's been, you know, eating some kind of weird diet, just uh, through the natural uh, interaction and, and physics and, and uh, you know, all the things that happen when, when uh, you know, urine hits the toilet water, uh, man's urine usually bubbles up. It leaves like a foam on top of the water, kind of like uh, the way you get a head on the top of a beer. 
But with the man's urine, it's very often full of bubbles. And I know this is graphic, guys, but I, I saw this. I had a vision of it. You know, some people, they look at a wall and they see a stain and they, see, they think they see Jesus or Mother Mary crying. Well, guess what? I saw something in my urine bubbles. If you still want to listen, I'm giving you one more chance to get out. <laughs> but it's demented me now forever, and now it's going to dement you. So the, the, the man leaves a, 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 a cover on the water, on the surface of the water, of, of reflective, glistening urine bubbles nestled in a, in a small foam. It's not, it's not as thick as a beer. It's not like it's a Guinness from Ireland. But nonetheless, there's a little bit of a white foam and then many, many, many urine bubbles. <laughs> okay? And here's what happened to me the other day. I was standing over my finished urine, just about to flush. And I looked down, and all of a sudden I realized, holy crap, spider eyes. And you're like, what? What 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 did he say? What what spider eyes? What do you mean? Well, if you're wondering what I mean, and if you're not a, a fan of insects the way I am, if you don't watch the nature shows, you're probably scratching your head going, well, what's the correlation between spider eyes and urine bubbles? I don't know what he means. Maybe I shouldn't have listened. I'm confused. Well, I'm going to tell you what to do. Go on Google Images right now or wherever you look at images on the uh, Internet and just type in the word spider eyes. Okay? Spider eyes. And you're going to see a bunch of images come up of spiders' faces, and many spiders, and I'm looking at one right now that has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight eyes on its furry little face. And there's many here with four, and there's some with six, and they have multiple eyes. And these eyes, these spider eyes, are the same shape and have the same glisten and the same reflective properties as urine bubbles. And so here's where it, this is where it all comes together, guys. It's too late. If you thought you were, you were going to get out of this, now it's too late. You're in. For the rest of your life, you're going to look down at your urine bubbles and go, holy fuck, spider eyes. Yeah, that's it. This is my thing. You're, you're going to think, <laughs> you're going to think that, you're going to look at your pee bubbles and, and think of spider eyes. You're going to see spider eyes floating in your urine, in your toilet water. The bubbles, they just look up at you. Once you've seen a picture of spider eyes, you know, maybe there is one way out of this. If you don't go to Google Images and don't look at spider eyes, you might just get away from it. You might get away from never, ever <laughs> knowing what spider eyes look like. But I think many of us, probably somewhere in the back of our subconscious, in our memory banks, in the files, in our brains, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. Those big, beady, reflective eyes on the face of a spider that look like bubbles. I don't know how I made the connection. I don't know why I made the connection. Maybe it was heavenly. Maybe God 
sent a message to me, but I was looking down at those those yellow-tinted, transparent piss bubbles staring up at me, and I'm like, good God. Looks like a spider staring at me out of my toilet. And there you go. And so now I can't go and urinate and look down without now thinking of spider eyes. And now you're going to think of it for (laughs) for the rest of your life. Because you probably, in the course of your life, never considered your urine bubbles. You know, everything in life, you know, you look at something and you you attach information to it. You could look at some paneling on a, wa- on a wooden wall and go, hmm, interesting grain on that wood. Hmm, I like the color of that wood. Oh, the, uh, the, the, the living room. I like the slant in the ceiling. I like the upholstery on that couch. I like the texture of this salad. Uh, you know, you usually attach some kind of information to things you see, but you've probably looked at your urine bubbles your whole life and not thought one damn thing about them, right? You've probably not attached any pertinent information or even any non-pertinent information. You've probably just never even thought about your urine bubbles, but now, oh, now, I hope you don't have uh, acnophobia yeah, acnophobia, the, the fear of spiders. For those of you that have that, whoa, you might want to pee in the dark, bros. Because you finish uh, you finish shaking out those last few drops and you got fucking tarantula eyes staring up at you right out of your toilet. You got a trapdoor spider. You got the black widow staring hungrily at your hanging vulnerable penis. Good God. And what if the spider thinks it's an inchworm or something and, or, a, or a moth larva and lunges out of the toilet water and bites you with its poison fangs? Oh, all right, now I'm getting ahead of myself. But anyways, there you go. From me to you, I'm sorry or maybe you're enlightened by it. Maybe you're like, oh, great. Now, my, now my, when I piss, it's not so boring anymore. There's a little excitement. I used to just piss and flush it away, but now I get to see spider eyes. Oh, hooray. I don't even have to piss, but I'm going to go to the bathroom because I want to see magic spider eyes. So there you go. From me to you, piss-bubbled spider eyes. Oh, let's switch gears to something else. Something sad that I, I I wish we didn't have to talk about it, and it's sad, but but it's something we got to talk about. Uh, we lost a legend today, a comedy legend, Jerry Lewis. Okay, I think he was born in the 20s, and he was there, you know, at the beginning of the film industry, you know, the talkies and the... You know, just the golden years of Hollywood when it just really was blowing up. And he was uh, he was a bona fide star, man. Jerry Lewis, known all over the world. And uh, just a real pioneer in comedy. You know, he was, he was probably kind of like the Jim Carrey of his day. 
You know how Jim Carrey was just one of these comedians that just did the most outrageous things and made the craziest faces and... And I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I don't want to speak for Jim, but I, I, I would be willing to bet that Jim would say, hell yeah, Jerry Lewis had a big influence on my comedy. Because Jerry was doing stuff uh, during a time when, you know, comedy and acting and all that stuff was just unfolding. It was still being learned. It was still being uh, found. You know, the film industry was relatively young. And so, uh, you know, it was very kind of traditional. And, you know, you, you had your slapstick comics uh, from the silent movies, the Buster Keatons and the Laurel and Hardys and, and all those guys. But then Jerry Lewis kind of brought this everyman uh, quality to, to stand-up comedy. Those, those, other, those other comedy characters were kind of really big you know, Buster Keaton and Laurel and Hardy and the Three Stooges, they, they, had, they had these kind of identities, these personas where they're almost like you were watching a, a cartoon character. But Jerry Lewis kind of brought with him the ability of kind of playing the everyman that blended in. He kind of looked like that sweet little, you know, college boy. And man, when he just kind of took the mask off and unleashed his comedy timing and his comedy ability and his, his comedy uh, courageousness, I mean, this guy took a lot of comedy chances. He, he did a lot of physicality and just the, the things he did with his facial expressions and his, his timing and uh, his risk-taking. I mean, just, just a real... A real pioneer. And there's people, you know, you get people that kind of have a love-hate relationship with Jerry Lewis. They're like, oh, he was just a buffoon and he walked into walls and he he just made all these twisted faces. He was the, hey, lady. You know, that's all he did. But no, 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 no. I, I object. I, I think if you sat down and watched like 10 or 15 of his movies, you would start to see kind of the 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 genius behind what he did and how he carved a path through the, the you know, the realm of comedy. And I, I'm sure what he did still touches comedians to this day, man. And he did it at a time when, you know, nowadays you can do just about anything and people go, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, there's something new, but... Jerry kind of did it at a time, as I said, when, when the movie you know, industry was just kind of coming into its own. And so he was a real risk taker, man. And a little quick, uh, quick story. I met Jerry Lewis twice. I met him my first time when I was just starting in stand-up comedy. I think I was like 23 or 24 years old and myself and a whole group of Canadian comedians went down to Las Vegas. It was my first time to Vegas. And this is when the Las Vegas Strip was like the Mirage, the Holiday Inn, and Caesars. You know, it, it was just a small little strip. None of the big, giant, you know, Bellagio's and the Winds and the Mandalay Bays. These were not up yet. So uh, we went, and it was me and Norm MacDonald and a bunch of other Canadian comedians. And I'd, we'd never been to Vegas, and we, we got, like, this package deal to go for, like, four days or whatever. 
And so we all went, like 10 or 15 of us, and we gambled, and we had fun, and we went to see, I went to see Frank Sinatra. And one of the things we did is we went to a boxing match at one of the casinos. I had never been to boxing before. And so we go there, and me and these, like, I think about six or seven of us comedians went. And we're sitting there waiting for the fights to start. And the announcer gets in the ring and goes, ladies and gentlemen, in the crowd tonight, one of the funniest men in the whole world. Here he is, Mr. Jerry Lewis. And sure enough, he points and Jerry Lewis stands up. He's sitting like, you know, 60 feet away from me. And I was a Canadian kid, you know, from the suburbs of Canada. And we, we didn't get celebrities and, and movie stars up in Canada, man. I'd never seen one. And here's a guy that I grew up watching on black and white television with my sisters in the basement eating chips and popcorn and, you know, being five and six and 10 and 11 years old. And this here's Jerry Lewis twisting his face and contorting his body and doing funny voices and walking into walls. I mean, this guy made us laugh. He was part of my childhood. And there he was. There he was, Jerry Lewis. I was just like, holy crap. And on top of that, I was a, a stand-up comedian at the beginning of my career. So I was like, oh, my God. And unfortunately, I didn't know this, but apparently Jerry Lewis had a reputation as he got older as being one of the biggest douchebags in the entertainment industry, this isn't me saying it, but this is what was kind of the unspoken word that he was a real a-hole. Now, I can't verify that. You know, I can't verify. I wasn't around him enough to know. So I'm just telling you what other people in the entertainment business told me. And regardless if he was or wasn't, that doesn't discount his genius and all the joy and laughter and innovation he brought to the world. Okay. But anyways, I said, oh, my God, to the other comedians. And I've told this story on a podcast long, long ago, but I want to repeat it because, you know, he, he, he died. And this is my way of connecting with him. So the, I said, oh, my God, it's Jerry Lewis. I sh should I go over and shake his hand and say hi? And all, and all the other comedians I was with, I guess they knew the rumor about Jerry being a a-hole. And I guess they wanted to throw a little naive Harlan into the lion's den. And they're like, oh, yeah, dude, go on over. Say hi to the guy, man, for sure. And I was like, really? And they're like, oh, yeah. So so I go running over like a little schoolgirl. And uh, there's a security guard standing in front of Jerry. And he's sitting in, the, you know, a few few rows in with his some beautiful woman. And I say to the security guard, I said, can I say hi to Mr. Lewis, you know? And then the guy goes, you, you go ahead, son. And he stepped aside, and I kind of stepped in, and I reached over, a, 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 you know, a, a row of chairs. And I said, hi, Mr. Lewis, I'm, I'm a really big fan. And, and I reached in, and I shook his hand, and he was really nice. And he goes, hey, thanks a lot, kid, you know? And I was like, oh, my God, this is great. I'm talking with Jerry Lewis. It's just me and him. And and then I didn't know what to do. I was kind of starstruck, and I thought, well, I better, he's talking to me. I better keep the conversation going. <laughs> so I, I, I just naively said, so what's going on? What's new? And at that moment, he broke eye contact with me. He just kind of looked away, and out of the corner of his mouth, he went, take a seat.
And I was like, what? He said, take a seat. It's almost like that scene in A Christmas Story when, when the kid finally goes up to Santa Claus, sits on his lap, and says to Santa, I want a Red Ryder rifle shotgun for Christmas. And he's thinking Santa's going to give him his toy rifle for Christmas, and Santa goes, you'll shoot your eye out, kid. And the kid's mouth just drops, and that's what I did. My, my jaw just dropped. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Did he just tell me to take a seat? And then he wouldn't look at me. And I was just standing there like, like a deer in the middle of the road with the headlights coming in the darkness. And I, I just felt trapped. I was in purgatory. I was in this never world. The, the, the childhood star of my dreams was sitting there and he shook my hand and said hi. And, and now he just blew me off. And he won't even look at me to give me an indication of whether it really just happened or even give me a second glance as if to, you know, say, come on, kid, go. I was just hanging. And after about 30 seconds of just standing frozen like a snowman, I, it dawned on me. It's like, holy shit. He told me to take a seat. And, and in that same instant, I went, I don't blame him. What kind of idiot am I asking him how it's going? What's new? He doesn't know me. What he's going to say, well, Harlan, let's see. I just signed a deal with uh, Universal, and I'm uh, dating five different girls, and I'm going to Jamaica this summer, and why would he tell me? Some some kid. So I kind of hobbled back to my seat. I sat down. I told the guys about my incredible experience, about shaking his hand, and they were, like, all kind of fascinated. And then I told them he told me to take a seat. And I haven't stopped hearing about it till this day. Okay, they thought that was the funniest thing. And whenever I see any of those comics who are with me, guess what I hear? Take a seat. So that that's kind of Jerry Lewis's burn on me has followed me around. But I, I wore it as a badge of honor. I'm like, if I got to get burned by someone and I'm a stand-up comedian, let me be burned by one of the kings of comedy, man. I'll take it. And here's the irony now. Here's my second meeting with Jerry Lewis, okay? Here it is 25 years later, probably longer, probably 30. I'm in New York City. I'm doing the Conan O'Brien show when Conan used to be on NBC, when he did Late Night with Conan O'Brien on NBC after The Tonight Show. And I'm a guest on the Conan show. And guess who else is a guest on the Conan show that night? Uh Uh-huh. Jerry Lewis. Yeah, man. Jerry went out first. I went out second. And then after the show, I was hanging with Conan. And Conan's like, hey, you know, I was in Conan's dressing room. And Conan goes, hey, you want to go say hi to Jerry Lewis? And I'm like, oh, my God. This is almost too good. So I'm like, okay, bro. So we go running into the uh, Jerry Lewis's green room. And, of course, Jerry's not going to blow Conan O'Brien off. So I'm standing there with Conan. And, 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 you know, Conan introduces me. And I'm standing there. And I'm standing in this tight little green room with Jerry Lewis. And we're, we're just talking, the three of us. And I was just dying. I was dying inside to go, Jerry... You won't remember this, but do you remember when you told me to take a seat? And I, I didn't do it. I just, I let it go. I, ju- I just thought, you know, isn't this funny that 
Here I was, a beady-eyed kid full of wonderment who had just barely started his career in stand-up comedy. I'd probably been on stage for a year at that point in my life, maybe a year and a half. And I didn't know where it was going to lead me. I didn't know where my stand-up comedy was going to take me. I didn't know if I'd ever get off of amateur night or if I'd ever be on TV or in movies. I had no idea. I just had all my dreams and my illusions. And can you believe it, folks? Here it is 25, 30 years later. I'm on the same, you know, national, international televised TV show that millions of people watch with the guy that told me to take a seat. And now I'm, I'm on the bill with them. I'm, I'm, I've, I've, I've come up to a place where I'm worthy enough to be on the same show with someone who I consider to be one of the true geniuses of comedy. What an honor. And so I didn't bring it up. I just stood there and chit-chatted and listened and just absorbed and, and appreciated that I was in his presence. I didn't care if he was an a-hole. I didn't care if he told me to take a seat. All I cared about is how he made me giggle uncontrollably as, <laughs> uncontrollably as a little boy in the basement with my sisters, laughing and giggling and hearing him doing Chinese voices and putting on disguises and buck teeth and making his eyes go crossed. I didn't care about the real world and what he was like. I just kind of gave thanks that God put a guy like him on this earth and he's made so many of us laugh and, and, and be filled with joy. And, and if for some reason in his real life he was bitter or he was an angry guy, well, you know, life's not, hard. Life's not easy sometimes. And he, he probably went through a lot. And hopefully uh, if he was that way, again, this is all rumor, but if he was that way, I hope we can all forgive him. And just say thank you for all the laughter and joy he brought into our lives. And, and all the comedy that he influenced generations of future comedians. I'm sure many of the comedians you like or watch or respect were probably in some form, whether it be big or small, touched and influenced by Jerry Lewis. So Jerry... I know you're up in heaven now, and God's probably telling you to take a seat. But knowing your comic genius and how great you are, you probably won't sit down for long. You're probably up there making every angel laugh. And so, and so I get a little bit emotional, and... We say goodbye. We say goodbye to a true great. Rest in peace, Jerry Lewis. You see where my hand is? It's on the toaster. Yeah. It's hot. Take it off. It's stuck. That's pain. Oh, oh hurt, hurt. There's hurt and pain. Would you just lift my head off? Just lift it up. Excuse me, but uh, you know what Confucius say about that, don't you? No, I'm afraid I do not. 
Uh, Confucius say, cool it. <laughs> oh, quit. <laughs> there you go. A little taste to Jerry to end the show. Uh, our thoughts and prayers with his family, with him, and uh, as I said, R.I.P. Um, let's wrap it up right there uh, on a somber note with good memories. God, the voices he did just crack me up, man. Just the, the little inflections. Honey. <laughs> Uh, let's see. What do we got going on, man? Oh, I'm heading off to Burning Man again. Yeah, baby. Burning Man. I'm excited about that. I'll tell you more about that, uh, very shortly, but, uh, that's coming up. But as far as my shows go, I don't start really my, my fall tour until, uh, September 21st. I'll be in Portland, Oregon at the Helium Comedy Club. Please get your tickets online at harlowilliams.com. That's Helium Comedy Club, Portland, Oregon, September 21st to the 24th. Then the following weekend, uh, September 28th to October 1st, I'm in Schaumburg, Illinois, just outside of Chicago at the Improv. Oh, yeah, great club. And then uh, back in L.A., October 12th to the 15th, I'll be at uh, the Irvine Comedy Club in Irvine, California, Orange County. And then I go back up to Helium in Buffalo, New York, November 2nd to the 5th, and so on and so on. Go to harlowilliams.com, check my comedy dates, and hopefully I'm coming to a city near y'all. Also, while you're there, check out our store at harlowilliams.com. We have a great merchandise store with lots of fun gifts for you. We'll mail them out to you. Uh, also, uh, you can leave me a voicemail if you want, if you want to leave your own message for me, 323-739-4330, 323-739-4330, and you can hear the lame message on our answering machine. Yeah. Um, also you can write to me at the, uh, contact link at harlowilliams.com. Also, you can sign up for our premium membership, $20 a year. Gets you every episode we've ever done. That's a steal, folks. 20 bucks for a whole year gets you all the Harland Highway episodes. Every one. And we're coming up on 1,000. So that's, that's hours upon hours upon hours. What's a movie cost? What's a movie like, like 12 bucks now for a movie? So for another $8, you get like... 90 million hours of comedy from yours truly. Um, Also, we have an app for your cell phone, so you can listen to us wherever you go. The Harland Highway app. Download that for free, man. You get the latest 50 episodes, and uh, you can listen to them wherever you may be. So there you go. Tell your friends to get on the Harland Highway. We would love to uh, get out to as many people as possible. Um, but that's it. That's it for now. Keep on smiling. Uh, enjoy life. Enjoy every damn minute. Laugh. Because one day, you know, it might be our turn to go up there with Jerry. So just enjoy every damn day, y'all. Don't let anything get you down. If it does, get it out of your head. Push it away. You won't remember it a year from now. Don't let it slow you down. Live. Love. Laugh. Enjoy.
And until next time, chicken chow mein, baby. Shut up. <laughs>